Well, welcome again to uh, Cuyahoga Valley Church. And again, if you're a guest, we're really glad that you're here. What a great way to start your new year by just coming to church and learning more about the God who loves you and wants to be in intimate relationship with you. And if you're viewing online, we're so glad that you're watching right now too and joining us. Hey, uh, during uh, our second year of marriage, my wife Rika and I found ourselves moving into a pretty much standard newlywed, you know, dwelling. It was this little tiny house set that was downtown in the California town we were living in. And it was like, I don't know, 10 square feet or whatever it was, you know, you can stand in one corner and pretty much give the grand tour with a wave of the hand if you don't hit a wall, um, real small little place. And it came outfitted with a, a alarm in it and, uh, you know, some windows. It was a great little place to be in. Well, we rarely set the alarm. Just didn't really feel the need to, but every now and then would set it. Well, one night, I remember, it was a, it was a hot night, and uh, it was a summer, and we had some windows kind of cracked a little bit. I was like, you know, I just feel like we should set the alarm. So we set the alarm. A few hours later, we woke up to the alarm going off. And so uh, keep in mind, this is a very small house. So if someone was in our home, they were literally feet away on the other side of a wall. So obviously that didn't feel very good. And the only thing I had at the time was a samurai sword under my bed. <laughs> so I got into my ninja outfit and uh, grabbed the samurai sword. And I went through the house, you know, checking it out, you know, heart pounding. And it took a whopping five seconds because of the size of the house. Um, and there was, there was nobody in the house. But uh, there was a window open and we saw what they had done. They had come up, they stood on top of our air conditioning unit. And it was one of those double windows where the top was open. Well, they pushed it down and reached in and pulled up the bottom window so they can get inside the house. Well, the, the, the situation was there was going to be this intruder in our home if it wasn't for that alarm. And just the thought of that obviously was very unsettling. We felt very unprotected and vulnerable in that moment. And we became uh, house alarm fans very quickly. And in the years that we've had house alarms, it just helps us to go to bed uh, with a little more peace knowing that that was guarding our home. Well, some of you have also maybe been broken into. It's, it's, it's a really creepy and violating feeling. But here's the reality of the situation. We all have intruders breaking in, even right now in this very minute. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about thoughts. And I'm speaking specifically today about anxious thoughts. See, anxious thoughts are intruders that break into our heart. And when they do, it gives us that same feeling of feeling vulnerable and unprotected and unsettled. And we all have them. We all have these anxious thoughts. We all have this anxiety. And what happens is when we start to store those up, we reach a place where all these emotions that we experienced in our life and our heart put us in a plate of emotional unfitness, if you will. And so today we're going to talk about being emotionally fit. So we're in this teaching series called Get Fit. And we, what we're, the, the, the intent and the heart of this whole series is to take the first seven weeks of the year and talk about being fit as a, as a holistic person in key areas of our life. And so last week, and if you missed it, I highly encourage you to go online and watch it. We talked about being spiritually fit. What does it take to be spiritually fit? 
And, and we're not compartmentalizing these because that's the foundation. Last week we laid a foundation of being spiritually fit that weaves itself through all the other areas we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. You know, uh, physically fit, mentally fit, relationally fit, financially fit, all of that. That, that spiritual fitness weaves its way through, and our spiritual fitness will determine our emotional fitness. And so today I invite you to come and just think about uh, your emotional state. Would you say you are emotionally fit right now? Do you have intruders in your heart that are producing anxiety that uh, you are looking for relief from? I would honestly say that most of us are. Now, every now and then, uh, I throw out a topic-related question for the weekend on, on social media just to see, you know, get some insight and some feedback. Well, this last week, nonchalantly threw out this question on my Facebook page. I said, what has been or currently are the things causing the greatest anxiety in your life? And I thought I'd get, you know, a little bit of feedback. I had no idea what was about to happen next. Because within hours, this feed started. <laughs> and I think now there's like 70 comments or something like that of people unloading things that they're feeling and the anxious thoughts that they're carrying. And if I were to summarize what a lot of those, you know, came to sound like, it was basically this, loss of friendship, cancer, illness, job loss, job stress, loved ones who don't know Jesus, prodigal children not walking with Christ, the welfare of family members, especially your parents or your kids, change, relational issues, school-related issues, miscarriage potential, pregnancy issues, money, big decisions, injustice, limitations or disabilities, use of time, overwhelming demands of life, single parenting, finding a good spouse, keeping your current spouse, sleep issues, abuse, sense of purpose, needing to move or the potential of a move, addictions, fear of failure, and loneliness. Anyone feel stressed yet? <laughs> these, these, are, these are real cares. These are sincere burdens. And I know in a group this size, especially when you think about, you know, those watching online as well, uh, as you heard that list, you were thinking, well, that's me, that's me, been there, done that, currently there now. Like, we all carry these anxious thoughts within us. But they're intruders. Those anxious thoughts are intruders, and their, their whole intent is to do damage. You know, when I was in junior high, we did get broken into uh, while we were away at school, away at home, and all of the intruders did was just damage our home. They just went through our home just busting up the house. They just came in and just wreaked havoc on our house. All these anxious thoughts that come into our hearts, that's all they do is they just wreak havoc on our hearts. They just do damage, and the, and the output of that becomes that we reach an emotionally unfit state. And we don't have an alarm necessarily for that. So, so what can guard our hearts? Are we, just, are we just vulnerable? Are we just unprotected from these intruders that are going to come and just kick the way into our heart and, and, and camp out? You know, an interesting verse is Proverbs 4.23. Listen to what the Lord says. He says, keep your heart with all vigilance. Some versions will say, guard your heart. For from it flows springs of life. When you understand the biblical concept of the heart, it's the fusion of your mind and thoughts with your heart and emotions and your will. Whenever you see the word heart in the Bible, which is there for like 750 to 800 times, depending on your translation that you're reading, every time it talks about the heart, it's the fusion of the thoughts, the mind, the emotions, and the will. 
It says we need to guard our hearts because it's the wellspring of life. The word picture that God gives us here is that this is a spring of water that gives you sustenance. And you can imagine back then, because when they wrote the Bible, they didn't have faucets. We wake up, we turn on faucets to get water, right? Don't quit. You know, we can question the quality of the water. That's fine and all. I'm just saying they didn't have that convenience. They, they had to go to a spring of water or to a well to get sustenance, and you had to protect that water from contamination. A lot of times invading armies would come in, and they go, well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to pollute the water because that will have a high impact on the people that we're trying to attack. Guard your heart. Watch over vigilance because from it flows springs of life. If we don't guard our heart, if we just let those anxiety, those thoughts of anxiety come in, it pollutes, it contaminates, it destroys. So is our heart able to be guarded? The beautiful answer is yes. Yes, our heart can be guarded and is guarded by something far better than an alarm. And it can be guarded by something that God has promised to give us. He didn't just say it's available. He's promised it to us. And it's something only he can provide. No person can provide it. We can't self-generate it. It's only something that God can provide. And the thing that God has provided that can guard our hearts is his peace. The peace of God. Not the peace of man, not the peace of self, but the peace of God. That ultimately will guard our hearts. And so I want to take you to a passage in the Bible that will help us understand that at a greater level. So I invite you to open your Bibles or fire up your Bible applications to the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Verses 6 and 7. And so open up your Bibles, fire up your Bible apps. Uh, If you're here today and you don't have a Bible, uh, these verses are in your program. They're on the screen. But we want everybody to have a Bible. I hope you guys all bring your own Bible because it's a textbook. We use it. We don't just look at it on a screen and forget about it. We want to hold it and write in it and read it and take it in. And so if you don't have a Bible, uh, we'll give you one for free as a gift on your way out if you're here today. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Here's what we see. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the, what? Peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will, what's the word? Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you've got a Bible today, and you also have a highlighter, and you also maybe have a pen or pencil, if it isn't already underline that. Some of you are like, uh, can we do that in a Bible? Yes. It's God's textbook. And so I would underline that. I would highlight that. Some of your Bible apps have that where you can highlight that. I would highlight that because that's a key verse. In fact, you can take it a step further and take out a pencil or pen and circle the words that pop for you. Words like anything and everything and guard, whatever it is. Look at that. Let, it, let, let yourself interact with the living word of God. And as you're looking at that, here's an interesting question. Why would God tell us not to be anxious? Why would God tell us not to be anxious? Because we get anxious. We do get anxious. And we forget that there's a God who loves us. We forget that there's a God who cares for us. And when we get anxious, we get off target. We, we, we stop giving God glory for being there for us. And we start to get anxious and, and tweaked out on the inside. And God knows that we're going to get that way. So in his wisdom, he sends us messages like this in his word. Don't be anxious. You know, thinking about anxiety, and before we unpack this passage a little bit more, let's typically think about the usual three options we have with our anxious thoughts. When it comes with our anxious thoughts, we typically do one of three things. One is this. We either hold them in. We hold them in. Which if you hold in your anxious thoughts, what you're really saying is, I'm relying on myself. I'm going to manage my anxiety. I'm going to take care of it. And if you do that, 
Ultimately, it's going to lead to some sort of implosion. You're going to implode. God never designed us to white-knuckle our problems. God never built us to take everything that's stressing us out and bottle it up and put it in and say, I'll take care of it. That's not how God wired us to operate. So every time we do that, and we do that, don't we? (laughs) We do it. Every time we stuff it, every time we put it in, we start to do that. We're basically saying, I got this. I got this. I'm going to rely on myself. Well, just imagine the big backpack that you have. And every time you have a fear, an anxious thought, or whatever it is, it's a rock going into that backpack. And eventually that backpack starts to get really heavy. And eventually it starts to feel the burden. And ultimately one day you're going to buckle under the weight. Implosion. And if we start to try to manage our own anxiety, it leads to depression. You just implode and you buckle under the weight. Listen to some of the snippets that God has given us in his word. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart does what? Weighs him down. Some of you are going, that's me today. <laughs> Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Proverbs 17.22, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. When you implode, when you hit the wall, you just get dry. Some of you watching today, some of you in here today, you're just dry. There's a spiritual apathy that's set in. You're just dry right now. Motivation is gone. Your desire to pray, your desire to read the Bible, your desire to just do life is just, it's weak. Proverbs 18.14, a man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. We hate getting sick. We hate getting sick, but you know what? Any little sickness that we get is far more tolerable than once we hit the wall emotionally. And once we hit a state where we're emotionally unfit, and it just crushes us. We implode. Why? Because we're holding it in. We're holding it in. We're relying on ourselves, and that's not how God has wired us to be. And if we do that long enough, then we're going to transition to the second option we typically have with our anxiety, which is we spew it out. (laughs) Then we're going to spew out those anxious thoughts. You're going to spew it out on the people closest to you. There's people in your home, in your life, in your workplace that they're walking on eggshells with you because you've been spewing out all that's got you anxious. And what's happening is you're basically starting to convert from relying on yourself to relying on others. And there's a, there's a healthy, appropriate level of relying on others, but then we start to over-rely on others. And when we start to over-rely on others, we put unhealthy expectations that are going to be unmet. We, we put impossible expectations upon people that are going to be unmet, so then we just explode. So if I hold it in, I implode. If I spew it out, I explode. Great. Lovely options, right? And so we see in Scripture this, this understanding to help bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. So there's definitely an appropriate level of sharing what's going on in our hearts with those in our closest relationships. That's why we want you in life groups. That's why we think everybody should be in a life group where you're doing life together, you're in caring community, you're not out there on your own. So don't forget to take advantage of Group Connect today and next week and in between. Get in a life group, step out, have courage to to, to relationally invest and take the risk. Why? Because someone can share the load that you're carrying and you can help share the load. But there's a difference between sharing a load and spewing the load. There's a difference between helping bear a load and then just dumping it on somebody. What happens is when we over-rely on people, we just start to dump it on them. And what we basically are saying is, fix me. Bail me out. It's up to you. Forget your own concerns. Be about mine. Let me heap my anxiety on whatever you're already stressed out about. 
Some of you are thinking of a family member right now. Some of you are thinking about a friend. That's okay. They might be thinking about you too. Well, it's not burying. You're just dumping. You're just spewing. What happens is you hold all those intruders in. You hold all those anxious thoughts in. And it's like trying to eat Pop Rocks and drink a soda pop at the same time. Well, trying to eat a Mento and have a... Kids, don't try that at home. Great. I, I'm gonna, my kid went home and put a Mento in the mouth and drank soda pop. Thank you. If you do that, the pressure builds and it, you're just going to spew it out. Some of you are doing that, aren't you? You're holding it in. You're over-relying on other people. You're putting unhealthy, unrealistic expectations on people to fix your problems, to give you peace. How foolish is it that we turn to other people for a peace that only God can give? We can't do it. We can't spew it out. We can't dump it on others. There's a healthier way. There's a better way. And it's the third option. Don't hold it in. Don't spew it out. We've got to learn to lay it down. We've got to learn to lay it down, which means we're going to rely on the Lord. And if we lay down our cares, we lay down our anxious thoughts at the feet of the Lord in prayer, we start to experience the promise he's given us if we do that, his peace. It's a conditional promise, folks. You're not going to experience the peace of God if you're not laying down your anxiety. Some of you are going, God broke his promise. I've never experienced it. Well, maybe it's because you're holding it in. Maybe it's because you're spewing it out. You're not truly laying it down. We've got to learn how to lay it down. Let's look back at that verse that we talked about in Philippians. Look at the first part, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Wouldn't it be nice just to say, that's it, folks. The sermon today, don't be anxious about anything. Let's just pray. Let's go home. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Be happy. Let's go. It's not realistic. Do not be anxious about, and I love this word, anything, but in everything. You know what that means? Big and small. Because you know what we're guilty of? We're guilty of going, hey, God, I've got the little stuff. I'll just, I'll just get in touch with you with the big stuff. I, I got all the little stuff. And, and we so quickly forget that a lot of little stuff can actually outweigh one of the big stuff, right? And so he says, don't be anxious in anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, man, we got to just continually be in this relationship with God where we're, we're laying the things down. God, I'm a little bit concerned about this. Lord, I'm a little bit worried about that. Lord, this person's on my heart. Lord, this thing's going on in my life. And we're just constantly in this, this conduit of prayer, and we're opening up, and we're just laying it down at the Lord. And we're laying it down at God. And we're not holding it in, and we're not spewing it out, but we're laying it down. We're laying it down. Because our emotional issues, this is huge, Why do we need to lay it down in prayer? Because our emotional issues have a spiritual solution. Our emotional issues have a spiritual solution. Our emotional health is dependent on a spiritual workout. And just like if you want your your physical heart, the organ that pumps blood to be healthy, you've got to exercise, you've got to eat right, you've got to do certain things. If we want our heart the fusion of our mind, thoughts, will. If we want that to be healthy, we want to have good emotional fitness, we have to exercise it through prayer. We've got to exercise it through prayer. Nothing else is going to work. Nothing else is going to give the peace that God offers us. Our spiritual fitness is the foundation. It's the core to everything, including our emotional fitness. So the secret to emotional fitness. If you're sitting here today going, I want to be more emotionally fit. The secret, healthy prayer life. You've got to exercise prayer. What does that mean? It means you, you, you pray more. 
You pray longer, you pray deeper, you pray more often. And if you look at this passage, it says right here, that, that, and look at the three words for prayer. God like said, you're not going to get it, so I'm going to have to tell you three times in one sentence. But in everything, by prayer, by supplication, with thanksgiving, right? We're so thankful that we have a God who cares for us. So we, we come to him with thanksgiving, not with an attitude, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. God, you're anxious about everything. You're anxious about all the stuff. Why don't you pray, pray, pray? <laughs> With thanksgiving, bring it to me. With thanksgiving, lay it down. Come to me. And when you look at verse 6 and you understand this concept, we start to realize he's not talking about a 30-second prayer before a meal. And he's not talking about a little prayer hit during the day. Not that those are bad and we're not minimizing those. He's just saying it's going to take more than that. We've used these types of expressions in the past to try to understand what this means. It means there's a difference between a person who prays and a person of prayer. A person who prays may never experience this peace that God's promised. Because I could pray once a year, and I'm a person who prayed. I could thank God for a loaf of bread one time in the entire year, and I'm a person who prayed. But a person of prayer means I'm always laying things down at the feet of my God. We've said it this way before. Prayer needs to become our first response, not our last resort. Right? Because we're so guilty of that. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I'm not going to come to you with prayer first, Lord. I'll wait till I'm up against the wall. Now I'm going to pray out of desperation. And not that those prayers aren't welcome. But is that really the, the, the situation? I mean, what if our human relationships were like that, where you never talk to somebody until all of a sudden it just was bad? You just spend all day, all week, never talking. And all of a sudden things go ugly, and now I'm going to talk to you. Like, our human relationships would suffer. Well, so is our spiritual relationship. And we have to constantly be coming to God personally in prayer, truly trusting, truly believing that he answers. And if we do that, if we do that, what do we experience? Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we start to lay it down, God fortifies our hearts. He builds this wall, this fortress around your heart. Maybe if you're, you're a sci-fi person, he builds a force field, you know? He puts a force field around your heart of his peace, protecting it from the invaders and from the intruders that want to come every day, all the time. We experience the peace of God, which passes understanding. You know, another verse that kind of reinforces that in Isaiah chapter 26 this great prophet of God says this. He says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you. Think about that. He's talking to the Lord saying, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. He trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Part of this laying it down, part of this prayer life is that we we stay our minds on the Lord. We stay our hearts on the Lord. We stay in a place of prayer as often as we can. So in prayer and also in his word, you know, in your programs, and we have some extras at the info center, uh, we have these little bookmarks. I mean, here, here, here's some anxious thoughts that are typical for us, you know, confusion, depression, anxiety, you know, all this stuff. Here's some places in God's word that we can read about that and see what God has to say about that. You know, part of that is staying our mind on the Lord. And what happens if we do that? We experience this perfect peace. Why? Because we trust him. I think the reason that some of us have backed off the prayer, if we were to be really transparent right now, we don't trust God. 
We don't believe he's there. You've tried prayer before, and it didn't work. Now, we just have to remember, God's there and he listens. He wants us to come to him, but he's not going to always answer the way we want. He's, God is not the yes stamp to our prayers. He's not there, up there with this big stamp that says yes, going pray, boom, yes, boom, yes. That's not it. God's got a no stamp too, you know. No. Or not now. <laughs> or wait. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Maybe he reaches over for this one going, you, you, you've given me option A and B, watch this. I'm going to do option C. You never saw that coming. Who are we to tell God how he should answer the prayer? He's God. You know what it says in uh, 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7? It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your what? Anxieties on him, because he cares for you. See, there's a, there's a little process there. We have to humble ourselves, which means you're God, I'm not. The, the reason some of us have, have not done that is because we're trusting more in man's ability than God's sovereignty. God's sovereign. He's in charge. I'm going to humble myself. You're God. I'm not. Under your mighty hand. Some of you have forgotten that God's hand's mighty. And no matter what crazy stuff is going on in this world, he's still in charge. And we're at loss at times for why he allows certain things to go on the way he does, but he's God. And we need to humble ourselves under that understanding, under his mighty hand. There's nothing going on in your life that God can't put his mighty hand on and change, adapt, fix, or use. A lot of our pastoral staff have had conversations with you over the years, and you've come to us with pain in your life. And months or years later, you say, God used it this way in my life. And back here, I didn't see it. I was pouting, I was hurting, I was complaining. I didn't see it, but now I see it. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why? Why do we cast our hands out? Because he cares for you. Look, guys, God loves you. He cares for you. If we're to be totally transparent, if you've ever been a parent, a sibling, an aunt, uncle, grandparent, there's moments where the most adorable and cherished children in your home, life, or family can get on your nerves, right? When you've got a little two-and-a-half to three-foot person who's incessant, Right? And they just won't stop, and they're asking and asking and asking and pestering and pestering and pestering. There's moments where you hit the wall and you go, I just need some peace. You love them to death. You just want to love them from a distance for a little while. Why don't you go build a snowman? Or 20 or 30 snowmen, you know? Why don't you go, you know, go sit in front of the screen for a while? There's moments where we hit the wall because we, 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 we don't have any more to give. We've, we're exhausted. God says, keep coming. God doesn't get exhausted. You're not going to irritate God with your prayers. You're not going to pester the Father. You don't see him in Scripture saying, stop praying to me. I'm done. I've had it up to here. You see him saying, come and pray. Come and pray. I haven't heard from you. Bring it to me. Lay it down to me. Come to me. He's not going to tire of you showing your dependence on him. You've got to learn to lay it down. Let me, let me visualize it this way with just this little chart. I think this helps us. See, we want control. We want to be in charge. We want to, we want to uh, set the date when we have loved ones die or not die or, or when we get that job or not get that job. We just, we just want to be in control. And so because we're fighting for control, we're afraid of loss. 
We're afraid of control being stripped from our hands. We don't like control being removed from us. So therefore, we get anxiety. We get anxiety because we're afraid of losing control of something. Versus, come to the one who's in control. Trust God who's in control. Humble yourself under his mighty hand. Trust one who's in control. Lay your fears and anxious thoughts before him in prayer and then experience his promise of peace. That, that's, that's the battle that's going on right now. Nothing else is going to give us the peace. The counsel of man won't give us the peace. No counselor, no therapy, no medication, no ingenuity of man will ever give you or I peace. They might help fix something for a temporary while. They might help stabilize us. They might help be a complement into our life for a season. But at some point, we've exhausted what people or man's ingenuity comes up with, and all we're left with is the need for God. So why wait till we're exhausted with man? Let's go to God first and lay it down at his feet. And here's what I love. Here's what I love. If you, we can't miss this. When you look at verse 7, it says, The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, I love that, means you won't get it. You can experience it, but you won't get it. Will guard your hearts and your minds in, what are the last two words? Christ Jesus. See, God makes it very clear. You're not going to have this peace unless you're coming to me through the avenue I've made available, which is my son. Through my son. This peace, this supernatural composure that empowers us to experience a calm in the storm, a light in the darkness, a hope in the despair is provided through Jesus because he's God. Because he came, he lived, he died on the cross, rose from the grave, ascended to heaven, promised to return. He's the only one who can say with authority, I will give you peace. You will have forgiveness if you come to me. You will have mercy if you come to me. You will have hope if you come to me. You will have eternal life if you come to me. You will have new life if you come to me. And you will have peace in me. There's no other peace. A lot of us in this room, a lot of us watching online, we've tried other things. And we get pseudo peace or limited peace. But never this kind of peace. It's only available through Christ. Emotional fitness is experienced by consistently laying the cares of our heart before Jesus in prayer. And some of you right now are uncertain. Some of you are processing this. You are wanting to know if a deeper, longer, more vulnerable prayer life is worth the effort. Let's remember the reality that any movement toward being fit in any area of our life whether it's getting our hiney out of bed to work out, whether it's eating better, whether it's trying to make our relationships healthier, whether it's trying to get a hold of our finances, all the things we're talking about over the next weeks. Any move to try to get those areas more healthy, more fit, is hard and takes effort. The question is, are you at a place where you want more emotional fitness? And maybe you're not ready to tackle the whole staircase, but are you willing to take the first step on you know, a pastor named Henry Cloud said this. He said, we change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. Some of you, holding it in, spewing it out is too painful. You're done. You're ready to change that. You're ready to lay it down. 
Some of you will be wise, and you're going to go, I'm not going to wait till that's too painful. I'm going to go ahead and start to lay it down now. Because <laughs> the key to emotional fitness is a spiritual workout. Give God what harasses your heart. Come to him. Let him guard your heart with his peace. The principle that I would summarize with today that I want you to walk away with is this. The key to emotional fitness is exercising prayer. If we don't exercise prayer, we'll be emotionally unfit. It's the key. God's made it clear. We need to receive it. We need to embrace it. So what would be a next step to apply this to our life? It's simply to intensify your prayer life. What does is, what is healthier prayer look like for you? Is it, is it making sure that the very first thing you do in the morning before you brush your teeth and you know, get dressed is I'm just, I'm just going to spend a few minutes in prayer? God doesn't mind your bad breath. He'll be fine. He can handle it. Is it during your lunchtime, you're going to take five, ten minutes of your lunchtime just to find a quiet spot and just talk to God and unload and lay things down? Well, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it needs to look different if we're going to continue to try to pursue emotional fitness. You know, this, this next week, and I'm sorry for those of you watching online because you can't physically be here unless you live locally, but um, this next week is a great next step. Seek Week. How many of you were at Seek Week last year? I know a lot of you participated. Hey, look, for those of you who weren't here, maybe it wasn't on your radar, maybe it wasn't on your calendar. In light of what you might be learning today, I'd put it on your calendar. Maybe you can't make every night, but you can make some. What we're doing over the next week is we're basically coming to God in prayer, starting tomorrow night all the way through Saturday. We're making space. We're making space at the beginning of the year to say, God, we're going to come to you. We're going to lay this stuff down. I'll give you a little sneak peek. Every night's got a theme. The theme for the whole week is God stirring our hearts, stir our hearts. So tomorrow night, we're asking God to stir in our hearts a, a, um, a broken heart, stir in us a broken heart. Whatever's in me that breaks your heart, God, break it. It's just a night of repentance. It's just a night of being still before the Lord. You can come in here, hide in a corner, not have one conversation with anybody, just talk to the Lord, be in a sacred space, and just talk to God. You don't have to be here to do that, but it's, it's something different. Maybe you need to jumpstart. Then Tuesday night, God, would you stir in me a burning heart? Would you ignite me with a passion? Would you, would you make me zealous and excited about being with you and walking with you? Lord, would you stir in me a, a burning heart? Wednesday night, God, would you stir in me a burdened heart? Look, all of us know there's people in our lives that don't know Jesus. They've never experienced the life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe that's you here today. You know, last night, my daughter went to bed, 11-year-old daughter went to bed crying. And the reason she was crying is because she was thinking of family and friends who don't know Jesus, and she was scared for them. And as I'm trying to comfort her, I started thinking later, when's the last time I went to bed crying? Because I've got family and friends who don't know Jesus. Are our hearts burdened at all? Really? Really are our hearts burdened at all for those people who don't know Jesus? That's why we're taking this whole year to do 1024. Let's pray for 10,000 people. Let's have 24,000 new life conversations. Let's, let's try to make an impact here. God, put a burden on our heart. Lord, make, give me a battle-ready heart. It's war. It's spiritual warfare. There's a very real devil. There's a very real flesh. They're working against us. God, would you prepare my heart for battle? Friday night, God, would you stir in me a bold heart? How many of you know that if we're going to make a difference in this life, it's not going to be because we're timid? 
We don't have to be jerks, but we need to be more bold. God's throwing us a bold heart. That, that's, that's the flyover. We're going to have a great week. It's a great next step for you if you need to lay things down the Lord. Just spend a whole week in prayer. We're also calling you to fast. Some people are like, oh, use the F word, fast. That's not good. Hey, look, all fasting really means ultimately is we give up something for something we want more. I'm going to give up a meal. I'm going to give up a couple meals. I'm going to give up social media. I'm going to give up whatever it is. We're calling you to fast tomorrow for a week. Give up something that you want for something you want more. What do you want more of? Do you want God to work in your life more? Do you want to work in the lives of your family and friends and neighbors more? Do you want to break that addiction in your life? Do you want God to get rid of that behavior, that attitude in your life? Then give up something and sacrifice it for something you want more. That's all the heart of fasting is. It's not easy. It's so worth it, though. So we're calling you to prayer and fasting for a week. Man, let's lay it down. And for some of you, everything we're talking about is so foreign right now because you're just still trying to figure God out. But maybe he's making more sense this morning. You can, you can respond to him. Let's lay it down right now. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you for what you do. I thank you for being there to hear us. Thank you, God, for being there to answer prayer. God, whether we like the answer or not. <laughs> Lord, forgive us for being impatient. Thank you for, or, or forgive us for being entitled. God, thank you for who you are and forgive us for being doubtful. God, I pray for everyone here right now who's been holding it in. God, would they lay it down? God, I pray right now for everyone who's been spewing it out, outburst of anger, whatever it looks like, Lord, may they lay it down. God, help us all to lay it down right now. Whatever anxiety, whatever fear, whatever's going on in our life, Lord, may we lay it down right now. In fact, I'm just going to give you guys just some time here right now, some silence. Take whatever intruder, take those anxious thoughts that walked in, in your heart, and would you just lay it down right now? Would you just lay it down before the Lord in this moment? Would you say, God, take this relationship, take this pain, take my health, take my worry about this, take my fear about that. Lord, I'm laying it down. I'm going to give it to you. I trust you. Would you just do that right now in this moment? down before the Lord. Some of you are in a place where you need to lay down your life. Because Jesus laid down his life for you. He came and he died on the cross for all your wrongdoings. He rose from the grave to prove to you that he was God and could forgive you. And you just need to lay down your life. You need to believe. You need to trust. You need to, need to enter into relationship with him. You can do that right now. You can just say, Jesus, I'm lost. But you just found me. I believe you came. I believe you lived, you died on the cross, you rose from the grave. I believe I need you. I believe I'm lost without you. I believe I will never have peace unless I'm in relationship with you. So right now, I take that first step, and I believe, and I trust. Come into my life. I want to follow you.
God, we love you. And we lay down our lives. We lay down our hearts. God, we even lay down this offering we're about to receive. God, would you take our investment, our symbol of trust, and would you multiply it so that more people can experience your peace, experience your joy, and experience new life in Christ. In Jesus' name we all said, amen. Here's what I'd like to invite you to do. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online even, and you, you prayed to receive Christ, you're making that decision in your heart to come to him, I want to give you 30, 40 seconds right now to actually pull out your program. There's a response card there. And on that response card, there's an area you can share with us. I just gave my life to Christ. Or maybe there's another decision that you made. You can, you can share that. Would you just take this next 30, 40 seconds to write that down and share with us that you made that decision so that we can help you follow up? If you're watching online, you can email us at connect at cvconline.org. Send us a prayer request. Send us a decision you've made so we can follow up with you too. While those people are filling that out, the rest of you, you continue to just reflect on what you need to lay down. You can be praying for the people you know who, who need to have Christ in their life. Or just take this minute to respond. And then a minute, Pastor Brian's going to close us. And we're going to take this understanding of what we talked about today, and we're going to put it in probably one of my favorite songs right now, talking about coming and laying things down before the Lord. So just take this moment to fill out your response cards, and then we'll close out in a second.